From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 711, Automating Workflows Using Power Automate with guest Sandy Usia. Recorded Thursday, June 25th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Today, my guest coming back for the second time Sandy Usia, who is a technical evangelist at Lightning Tools, a developer on SharePoint and Teams web parts and tools. And she's a SharePoint and Office 365 enthusiast, speaker, and a digital nomad and a Microsoft MVP for Power Apps and Flow. Welcome back. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for inviting me on again. Well, and a year later, just like that, you know, and, <laughs> and what a crazy time. I hope you and yours are well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the digital nomad part is a bit on pause at the <laughs> moment. <laughs> this is the longest stretch that I've been home in more than 10 years. Wow. And uh, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, and it's and, and she who must be obeyed is has been very tolerant of me. I think I'm a lot to be around. On the other hand, I have been fixing things around the house. Oh, nice. So I'm reasonably useful, and uh, my office has not been this organized in ten years either. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the world's a very different place, and our work is strange. Yep. But I, I, lots of IT people I talk to are are really busy. Like the keeping oh. things working is hard. Yeah, yeah, we're we're also lucky to be in this space where we can do that. Yeah, and and kind of help make things run for other people <laughs> without a doubt. And last time we chatted, we were talking about flow and sort of the power space, quote unquote power space. I don't even know if it was called that last year. This year, they very much have labeled everything power something. Yes, yep. It's the power brand, the power platform. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and. Uh, you mentioned Power Automate, which I had not taken a look at. This is pretty cool. Walk me through. What is this? What was this before it was called Power Automate? <laughs> uh, right. So, Power Automate is the new name for Microsoft Flow. Okay. And uh, Flow came out at the same time, around about the same time, I think the same time as Power Apps, um, as far as when it uh, became generally available. But then it was just last fall at Ignite that mm -hmm. the renaming uh, was done to Power Automate. And um, it took me a little while to get used to that, mm -hmm. <laughs> all of us, I think. But um, I think as, for example, just through it, the week of Ignite, I found myself getting more and more used to it and understanding why Microsoft did that renaming because just to bring it in line with the other power things because now there's Power Virtual Agent, which right. is the chatbot, basically, um, and uh, UI flows, which are part of Power Automate, but within that umbrella of Power Automate. So they wanted to have something that that brought that together so there's yeah power apps power automate power virtual agents and power bi you know i think power automate is the best name of the bunch like flow <laughs> didn't really mean anything mm. you know it's like but automate is a pretty clear statement 
Yes. Yeah. And and there and Microsoft is going even further down that route with the robotic process automation that is now part of Power Automate as well. So you can pretty much automate nearly anything. <laughs> <laughs> so well, cloud-based or desktop-based with their acquisition of Win Automation recently. Right. Uh, that brings the automation to the desktop as well. So they, yeah, it is turning into quite a suite of tools. But mm-hmm. and it, if I remember from Ignite, like their whole pitch about the power suite was the low code, no code mantra. Like mm-hmm. you, the a dev can do this, but you don't need a be a dev to do this, right? And and then at um, Microsoft Build recently, kind of the theme around Power Platform was that we that devs can also take advantage of the low code that is an abstraction that's involved with the power platform mm-hmm. to make their lives easier. So even if you are a um, coding type developer, uh, I, I hate to make the distinction between professional and that makes the rest sound non-professional yeah. somehow, but um, I mean, I do think we're all writing code these days and more and more we ha- I have these conversations with it folks where they're saying things like, I need source control for these scripts now. Like multiple people need to use them and we need to track changes. And like, I, you know, what do I do here? And it's like, you should go talk to your devs. And by the way, and have a party because that's a good day, right? And <laughs> when we all sort of respect the idea that we need to protect these things as assets that multiple people can use and maintain, like that is a good day. Long time it used to be, you know, your thumb drive, your scripts, nobody else would ever touch them. It's just not like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the power platform is moving more toward being able to support that too with more um more of an application lifestyle life life cycle. Nice. <laughs> uh, uh story and although the, you know that's still a work in progress a bit but um in being able to componentize yeah, <laughs> I, I think, think that's fair. a word <laughs> uh certain things so in both Power Apps and Power Automate to a certain extent. So mm-hmm. you can, you know, put things into scopes. You can copy paste scopes from one flow to another. So, so the things you create in Power Automate are still called flows, but um, but the platform itself is Power Automate. Just to clarify that a little bit. Well, I see the URL is still flow. So they yes, they, it is. they haven't yep. really concealed the name. But again, I still like that it's automate. And I also like like you're not start from scratch here. There's a huge array of I get, are they scripts? What do you call these things? Templates. There are templates. Templates. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's right. I often tell people, so I would say most of what I do is in the more beginner space. Mm-hmm. So when people are trying to learn about um, Power Ops and Power Automate, and I usually do encourage people to go look at those templates because even if that's not exactly what you want, um, there are so many of them that you can probably find something that's pretty similar or that you can use as a pattern mm-hmm. uh, and not reinvent the wheel. There, there's so much available, not only from Microsoft, but also from other people who have submitted templates to the um, uh, template area, and those get vetted by Microsoft before they're published. Um, and they're working on uh, improving that whole template experience, actually, currently. But uh, it still is a really good place to start, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And just this, I, also just to get some ideas, 
Mm-hmm. Like, have you thought about how you would automate any any number of these things, right? The, the, the notifications, uh, moving uh, um, attachments into storage, like they, oh, I can automate that? That's awesome. Right. Yeah, I use that one all the time. Well, I just have it set up. And so it happens all the time. I don't have to use it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, where it just takes my email attachments and puts them in my OneDrive. And so then that's completely searchable. Or, you know. Which is what, you know, I spent enough time as an exchange admin to go like this was the plague, right? When, when, when your users are prone to using the, w- the mail server as file storage. Because mm-hmm. they can find stuff there and they organize stuff there. And, and so the idea that we would, we've been pushing them for a long time to try and put these files in a place where other people can use them, where they're recoverable, where we don't end up with a dozen copies of things. So to put automation in so that it's just being put into OneDrive for business constantly seems very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you can obviously set up rules to say so so every flow has a trigger of some sort Mm -hmm. and then a set of actions so it can trigger on an event happening or it can trigger just on a recurrence or manually those are the three basic types of triggers Um, but in that trigger on an event for example you can put conditions on that so you know even if your condition is when an email arrives that has attachments um, you can also add additional conditions like, and it has such and such in the subject, then do this with it. Right. Or if it's high importance, do that with it. And uh, so, yeah, it gives you a, a huge amount of power and ability to save yourself from more mundane tasks that you might just be doing every day because you have to (laughs) and and letting letting the computer do those things and i mean that's i think the whole vision of the uh, automation is to free up your time to let you do the things that must be done by a human and that are much better to be being done by a human well especially if you're trying to push that down to the individual users like hey if you get attachments make sure you save them in OneDrive. Mm-hmm. All right. That seems, and you much less put some rules around it. It's like, and project files go here and these kinds of files go there and good luck that that all that's going to happen. But yep, yep. somebody spending some time with this template could actually get that fairly specific. Not that I want to just talk about attachments, but this is running on Office 365, like on the back end, right? So we're not mm-hmm. counting on the user's machine at all. Right. Do you actually remove the attachment from the email? Like, is there now a, a link to the file in OneDrive? No. Yeah, the attachment is still in that email, and I don't know that there would be a way really to do that or if you'd even necessarily want to, but... um, but yeah, it's also in OneDrive, and so then it's more available and searchable. Yeah, yeah. And, and and less likely to accidentally be deleted and all of those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is very interesting. And it's one of those simple ideas where now you could spend time getting to the 80% case where 80% of those attachments actually get sorted into their respective folders. So again, the, mm-hmm. the user's not responsible for sorting most of those attachments. Mm-hmm. That's yep. really interesting. And so some text parsing, obviously the the event triggers and, and the various uh, different pieces. Is it only Office 365 stuff that, that works with Automate? Oh, no. No, there are current, I think last count I saw was 345 different connectors. Wow. 
So um, all of Office 365, ha- you know, each part of that has a connector of some sort. Mm-hmm. And then um, within each connector, there are both triggers and actions, some have more than others. And uh, Microsoft is constantly working on adding additional, so even within their own space, uh, working on adding additional uh, triggers and actions. So for example, to take, for example, SharePoint, which is kind of my background, um, there's a SharePoint connector, which you can connect to any SharePoint that you have access to. So, uh, I mean, that's one benefit. So for example, I can create a flow in one of my tenants that connects to SharePoint in one of my other tenants and does things with that, like, you know, to go in between the two or copy things or move things in between the two um, or just gather things. So like I've got a, a flow that runs and takes my, this is kind of off off topic there, but Mm -hmm. uh, that takes my calendar items from each of three different tenants that I put calendar things in and combines them all into one uh, email that tells me on Sunday night what all I've got going on the rest of the week. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, it sort of pulls together your workload. So, uh, similarly, I've got one that that synchronizes my Office 365 calendars with my uh, Google Calendar because that's another connector because that's what will come up on my Android phone as a calendar. Right. Um, Rather try and make the calendar work in Android. Otherwise, it's easier to just do Google Calendar works so much better on Android. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So I got my widget on my front screen of my phone that has all of my calendar events, no matter which tenant I put them in. Yeah. so, so Google is one, all of, I think all of the Google things you can connect to with Power Automate, uh, Sheets and Drive and Mail and Calendars, and then lots of other third-party tools. So um, some of those connectors, or I would say most, maybe all <laughs> of those connectors are premium. In other words, you need to buy a flow plan to um to connect to some of those but they're all labeled as such so if you look at the list of connectors it'll have a little premium tag beside the ones that are but anything pretty much basically anything that's part of microsoft 365 and then also some other things like google are is not premium um as far as i'm aware and yeah i think that's still true um but anything that you know if you have a microsoft 365 licensed tenant, then that includes all of the Microsoft 365 connectors uh, for Power Automate. So you can do anything in there, any of the email, SharePoint, Planner, OneDrive, all of that stuff uh, for free. And then, yeah, I'm thinking something like Salesforce or that sort of thing, like you need the premium for that. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So not only do you need to have a Salesforce license itself, right. you know, so you've got to be already in that space, but then you also would need to purchase um, an add-on to the to the Power Automate license uh, to be able to use that in Power Automate. And yeah, just poking around price per user. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there are a couple different plans, well, two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's priced either per user or per flow. And... So the one that you would 
buy would depend on your use case. Right. I, the, the, I, licensing discussions <laughs> can get really... Uh, Oh, yeah. Your mileage may vary. Please contact your licensing professional. Yeah, yeah. We had, um, well, it, and it changes a good bit. I was going to say we had Steven Siciliano, who runs Power Automate at mm -hmm. Microsoft, as a guest on FlowPro show in last August. And he, our whole show was about the new licensing that was coming out in October. But then I think actually some of those things have changed since then but but all of those basic concepts though he went over and answered audience questions on and things like that so i, I would say that's still a pretty good resource um to, to look at uh as far as finding out about power automate licensing well and i also appreciate you know microsoft can be affected when they make announcements and they then listen to the re to the response mm -hmm. and 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 then we'll adjust which, mm -hmm. you know, tell me the downside. Like that seemed to me, mm -hmm. that seems like the right thing to do most of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, they have a broader view of the problem in that sense that uh, they, you know, they're looking at all customers, just not your, your particular case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, and the other add on there is um, if you want to use the AI builder, which is part of, which can be part of Power Automate, and that's additional or well, it requires premium license. And then, mm. um, the newer robotic process automation um, is an additional license. Power Virtual Agents is an additional license. What's a, oh, so if the, yeah, the, the virtual agent stuff is... Right, that's the chat bot. Right. And, and that makes sense, I think. Yeah, I mean, that to me makes sense for this sort of license by flow that if you build a big chat bot, you could play a flat rate for as much as that bot gets used. Yeah, I mean, so the the chat bots aren't part of Flow, oh, they're not actually, part of Flow. Okay, they're but they product. can use Flow, right. and I think that's the bit that you need the, and I'm not completely <laughs> sure about that, but I think that's the bit then that you would need the the Flow Premium license to be able to to have the Flow in your chat bot. Yeah. So, like in the um, demos we had yesterday on the Flow Pro show, that was with Kent Weir. Um, from Microsoft, and he showed one a Power Virtual Agent bot that had um, so it was like a customer service bot. Mm -hmm. And as the, the person wanted to change their shipping schedule or something, and so there was he had a couple flows built into that to go out and check the you know check what their purchasing uh, purchases had been, and then also one that went out and used AI Builder to see. You know, based on the type of thing that's being shipped, what are the light? What's the likelihood that it's actually going to make it with expedited shipping? And so, a lot of cool things you can do yeah. uh, building those things all together. Yeah, it's yeah, really interesting. Just sort of get into the state of complexity here of the possibilities. And Sandy, mm -hmm. I'm going to interrupt you for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Already focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time using cloud and mobile technology. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Sandy Usia. And we're talking about Power Automate. And there, there seems to be a real focus around the user here. 
if I'm doing some kind of back-end process, like I have uh, a data intake mechanism, people are FTPing files or, you know, placing files somewhere, that then I can activate that. What's the user context there? So, just that idea that, you know, we've talked very much around user workflows here. So, an email mm-hmm. arrives to you, uh, you know, an activity mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. in Salesforce and so forth. But I'm... Mm-hmm. I, I feel less userish when I think about something like I have a repository for files to be uploaded and then I want to do some automation against that. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I'm not sure what the user context is then, then and from a sort of licensing perspective or even from a, a privileges perspective. Mm. Right. So uh, what I think most people do in case, in some cases like that mm-hmm. is have a flow service account. Right. And then that account can do those things, but that service account will need to have the proper license, uh, depending on, you know, what, what it's doing. Right. <laughs> um, you know, if it's using, if it's just all doing things in SharePoint, for example, then no worries. Um, but if, you know, if the, if that account is doing something that requires a premium license, then, then it would need to have that. But, um, but that way then it's not in the context of a specific user. Um, well, and it is, but it, in this case, the user is mm. not a human. It's a service account. Right. And that yeah, yeah, makes total yeah. sense to me that we would need to do that and, and ultimately pay for that. But, uh, but that it would also, you know, you sort of recognize that, yeah, I need an account with certain privileges to be able to do certain workflows that are independent of the humans in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, that can be, th- I, I know I've done ones that have to do with SharePoint, but mm-hmm. it could be, you know, any, any of the systems uh, just kind of copying or transferring things from one place to another. That seems like a thing that people do all the time anyway. Um, and, and that, that can be automated. Yeah. I can also see like bat. the, I see doing batch processing here, right? Like doing, mm-hmm. you know, end of the day, pulling information mm-hmm. from multiple sources, quite possibly premium, right? Like maybe, maybe you're, you're attached to an SAP service and you want to pull things in for that. Like it, mm-hmm. it, yeah. that would be a very much a service account thing. Like I'd, maybe it takes right. a while or it's a bunch of different, a bunch of different steps involved and I don't want to bind it to somebody's request. I want to have it ready for the morning. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, how long running are these things? Does that matter? Uh, well, so there is a limit. So each flow can run for 28 days at the most. Oh, wow. Uh, if it's running longer um, than that, like something's up. That's a long flow. Well, like for approvals, for example. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that includes pauses to wait for yeah. things to happen. Um, so I guess that's probably the main time when I can see that. Yeah. You're waiting happening. for a human. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so then part. there are ways to build in, you know, if a, if the human hasn't done anything within, you know, 10 days or something, because there are, you can build in yeah. uh, delay until kinds of things, um, then then do something, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, alert, escalate it or um, remind them first or <laughs> and yeah. then remind them again <laughs> or whatever. Um, but just so something happens uh, before that, flow time before the whole flow times out Uh, or you can set timeouts on individual actions too so um, you know if a certain thing is taking too long or maybe there is just some huge query that you didn't necessarily really mean to do or something in it it, uh, because each each thing has some timeouts built in as well um, that uh, 
you know, each action could time out if it is something resource intensive and taking too long. Cause there are some limits on API calls and things like that. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, and I agree that there has to be a limit, mm-hmm. but it sounds like if I could set my own, I could go longer than 28 days if I wanted to, or is that a hard number? No, that's a hard limit. Okay. Yeah. You have to do some sort of workaround to be able to, you know, even if it's at the nearly 28 days, kick off another flow or something. Yeah. You've got to do something though to, um, to I, deal I, with that. I think that's very reasonable in the sense of, look, if it's longer than that, then do some heroics. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want stuff that persists forever. It's just, right. It's bad. And, and things can be on a recurrence. Um, so, you know, that's for an individual flow that mm-hmm. it has that time limit, but you could s- set a flow that it recurs once a year, for example, and it only just so that pers- that part persists, you know, mm-hmm. and it just always checks for has it been a year yet, <laughs> and then uh, and then it'll run that flow, and then that individual flows has right. its twenty eight days. It's twenty eight days from there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and can you have multiple instances of the same flow running at the same time? Oh yes, yeah. Yep. You yep. can't imagine that Definitely. that that makes any difference at all. Right? Yeah, they're just completely separate instances. And one of the things that I really like about uh, the flow runs is that you can see the history on the, so if you go into the flow dashboard uh, for each flow, you mm-hmm. can see its run history and uh, click on it and see exactly what steps and see the inputs and outputs of each step. Um, so if you need to troubleshoot or, you know, just see exactly what happened this time that it ran, uh, then you can get at that really easily. And uh, from a, I'm not a developer, but I, I, I understand, you know, I have a semi developer mm-hmm. um, background or thought process. And I really like that being yeah, able yeah. to, to delve into that Indeed. and see exactly what happened. Is that part of log analytics? Like where does that live? All that log? Um, where technically, I mean, you get at it through the standard flow UI, but okay. where it technically lives, I think, think is maybe cds i'm not sure yeah i'm just thinking about how we make sure that problems with automate show up in our overall in our monitor or sentinel or mm. however you're watching that stuff so i presume right. so, I, I, I think i just presume that all this stuff's going to work together i'm probably right but <laughs> yeah but you do get failures sometimes yeah. you know it might be for example i've got one that runs all the time and collects tweets mm-hmm. with certain words or hashtags and sometimes that just uh times out because or gets throttled i guess i should say by twitter Mm -hmm. and um so in some cases that flow has failed um in that particular instance but you and you get emails about that from microsoft but they often come like a day later so that doesn't really help all that much but you can there are administrative um connectors, so to speak, uh, available too. So you can manage flow from a flow and have, um, you know, get alerts if certain things happen uh, within your flow environment and so on. And then there's a whole Power Automate or, well, there's a Power Platform admin center that um, covers all of the Power Platform. And you can see there all kinds of use to usage and statistics and analytics and um, and so on. But if you want alerted to things, I think your best bet is to use those flow management actions. 
Right. Now that, that makes a lot of sense. But you know, every everyone has a view of what console they want, of how they mm. lo- look at m- stuff moving around through Office three sixty five and throughout their Azure tenants. So you just want to you want to be sure that something that's going to run this routinely and may fail quietly, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and the back. other thing would be to build things into the flow itself. You know, do, use standard good development practices. So that's where kind of there's a line between. Average people who aren't used to doing development, right. you know, they'll they can easily create a flow that does the thing they want it to do. But if you're in an enterprise uh, situation, then the IT slash developers need to know who's creating flows and be able to take a look at those and make sure that they're adhering to best practices. If that, you know, if it's a, especially if it's a business critical kind of a flow, you know, and build some things into it that er catch errors and alert people and, and And do proper logging and do the correct kind of notifications. Like I could see a template for templates here because of, I mean, Mm. in some ways I feel like calling it a template is now a bad name in the sense that (laughs) because it's actually a workflow or it's at least a template for a workflow that then you, you, you invoke, but, uh, are the, you save these in Azure, obviously, can you back them up somewhere? What, if you actually poke at them, are they just text files? Like, what are they? They're JSON. Okay. So if you open one up, it's just a JSON All right. file. Which means it'll work it, in source control and so forth. Like that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. If we, if we do want to get to version controlling these templates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know what some, there isn't currently versioning built in, although I believe that's on the roadmap. Mm-hmm. But um, other than when you put um, flows into solutions, then that is part of their whole ALM story. And yeah. then there is version control. But just for individual flows, there isn't. But you can make backup copies by just saving it as another flow. But it, then it's still sitting there in your in your list of flows, which there is a limit to, right? I think it's maybe 600. Oh my. Um, okay. But it, but and, it speaks to this idea yeah. that I might want to build a pipeline around all of my mm. flows so that I do have my own repository in source control mm. with versioning and record keeping around changes, and then can push them into Azure into that 600 cap. Mm. Say, this is the one we run. Mm. Yeah, I think that would all need to be done in solutions. Yeah, you've got to do that yourself. But if, and in some ways, respects to sound discipline, it's like thou shalt not edit the template in Azure. You mm-hmm. edit the template mm-hmm. in the source system, and then you push it to Azure. Mm-hmm. You know, any more than you would directly modify a program running in the right. cloud. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can import and export flows. So I think I've seen some people um, do sort of a corporate flow template mm-hmm. list in SharePoint even. So even just as a, as a SharePoint document library and, um, you know, export a, fl- a, a, f- a typical flow, a template uh, from flow, put yeah. it into the SharePoint document library and make that available. And then if people want to use that, then they download it from there and import it into their um, instance of flow. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a possibility, but kind of a kludgy one. <laughs> yeah, but you, you sort of get the idea of, mm-hmm. of this can be a mature part of the overall workflow, even though mm-hmm. clearly Microsoft's going to do things in this area at some point. Like, It'd be, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to sort of attach Azure DevOps to this. And it was, it was the, you know, the path of least resistance to actually source manage everything properly and to heck build testing harnesses around them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the way things are going. Mm. Yeah. But it is a level of additional complexity and sophistication for folks too. You know, we were, mm-hmm. the whole point here was to make this stuff easy. And then, right. you, then you start to formalize it more because it becomes important and, and it's just that much harder to get started. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, and there's also a, um, a center of excellence uh, starter kit that Microsoft provides, which covers Power Platform in general, and that lets admins have visibility into better visibility even into who's creating uh, Power Apps and Flows, for example, and they can then reach out and do training and make sure, you know, measure whether something is business critical that's been created and um, make sure that things are done correctly in that case and, and so on. So that's another good thing for admins. Well, you're, and you're speaking mm-hmm. like a SharePoint person, right? Where we SharePoint became that virus inside of organizations where, because it was so powerful, people were standing them up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you suddenly had this crazy governance problem. So, I, I mean, appreciate that early into the power platforms life's, it's only been a few, a couple of years here. Here is a starter kit where we're getting into this idea of if these tools are used in the company tenant, you as the, who holds responsibility over that tenant, get notified. Mm-hmm. I mean, what more, that, that's the beginning of everything. Like there's more to do from there to actually set up some compliance and so forth. But mm-hmm. start with, do you know what's happening? Right, right. Yep. So, all right. We're on that path. I mean, clearly Microsoft's thinking yes. this way too. We're not, we're not crazy that this is not a silly toy off to the side. It's like, I see significant things coming of this. Yeah. Although it's yeah. very interesting to think in terms of what's the person that tends to use Power Automate? I'm automatically defaulted to an IT person trying to solve certain problems that they're currently doing by hand or writing in other ways. But do you see other folks that get hooked on Automate? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would say the um, sort of power user type mm-hmm. persona, um, somebody who has a job to do and feels like some of this could be automated. Um, That's the one, the people that I work with most uh, on, on teaching them power apps and power automate are, I would say fall into that camp Mm -hmm. where they have heard about this, these tools and can imagine, or they've maybe seen a webcast about it or something and can imagine how that could help them really kind of similar to I think or at least my journey in SharePoint Mm -hmm. was like that where I saw it and I thought oh I could really use something like that in to make my life easier at work and uh and then learned more you know figured out how to learn more about it so I see a lot of that and like in the forums uh where I help answer questions and so on I would say it's mostly uh power user type people who are asking those questions right yeah, and, and you know, all IT people know who that person is mm. inside of the organization. It's the one who's uh, who bumps against the edges of their their privileges at any given time and complains mm. about them routinely, uh, <laughs> and then also finds out they can do things that you didn't think they could do because they had more privileges than they realized. You know, because they are trying to 
improve work. Right. And I, I, I tend to want to enable those folks with guardrails, yep. but yes. <laughs> enable them. And I, and right away, the starter kit's like, oh, good. That person gets guardrails. I was like, look, go down the starter kit path and, uh, and you can take your go with this. And then I, I may be checking in with you now and again on some of the things you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of organizations too, once they've identified people who are becoming makers, <laughs> um, then, they, you know, give them a certain amount of training that they need to complete yeah. before they can maybe create something that is shared with a bunch of people or or that sort of thing, set some kind of guidelines. Well, and it's a path to ruining your career, right? Like you used to have a real job, then you showed yourself competent at this automation stuff. And suddenly that's all you're doing because it's so valuable <laughs> to the organization. It's like, I hope that's what you wanted to do because that's yeah. where you're well, going. Maybe it is, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't tell you, you know, it might, I bet you that's 80% of the software developers in the world, right? Or mm-hmm. at least yeah. half. That showed at some point in their career showed a competence to try and make some of their jobs more automated with software, and then that consumed them. They enjoyed it. Mm. Their their employer valued it, and it became the job. And yep. th- this seems like another one of those kinds of paths. Somebody who's great at thinking about how work happens inside of the organization and all the pieces of this cloud infrastructure we have working together and can make it work more smoothly – that's mm-hmm. a productivity amplifier if I've ever heard one. And that's worth yeah. a lot to an organization. Yeah. Yeah, there are some really cool community stories uh, out there in the power platform of people who have done just that. You mm-hmm. know, people who were um, do their day job had nothing at all to do with IT, but they saw they learned somehow about power apps or power automate and that and learned that they could do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and now they are in IT. Yeah, but I, I totally agree. And I think for us that are already in IT, it's like, it's not a bad thing. It's easy to get into the trap of I have to control that person because they're going to do harm to the system. They're amateurs as opposed to empowering them because they will take load off of you. Yes, yes. They'll make things better given sufficient governance so that they don't do harm. Or at least when something risky is happening, you know before the place is on fire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I yeah, again. So once I got some guardrails in place, I want to empower that person. That's that's a great yeah. thing. And there are uh, so there's the whole concept of environments too mm-hmm. in the uh, power platform, and so you can limit people to you know not be able to create in your production environment, yeah. for example, until you uh, or where it has to go through vetting before it can. Uh, be imported into production, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking using key vault so they don't get credentials, they get rights to use credentials, like that sort mm. of thing too. Like it, we can do a lot there to, to, to put some fairly good uh, controls over all that. Mm-hmm. And there are um, data loss prevention policies as well built mm-hmm. into Power Platform where you can specify, you know, which connectors can or can't be used together and that sort of yeah. thing as well. Well, that your story you heard early on about working across tenants and moving data around, it's just like, hmm, yeah, that sounds like a data loss protection problem right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't mind myself doing it, but yeah, I wouldn't want other people doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I don't mind if other people do it, but I need to know what it is and whether yeah, or not yeah. it follow, follows our governance rules on data protection. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it, these are all subtle issues, but... You certainly, these are automation tools. And so once again, you're using the computer as an amplifier and it not, won't always amplify your intelligence. Sometimes it will amplify your stupidity. Yeah. So, yeah, you can get yourself <laughs> yeah, in trouble. Yeah, there was really interesting um, 
uh, again, uh, on the Flow Pro show last month, we had Charles Lamana on, who is um, corporate vice president at Microsoft in charge of the whole Power Platform. And he was telling us some of the vision that they have uh, for future. And one of those things which I was really excited about was um, beginning to automate the automation. So p- build in some AI so that um, it can be seen by the system that here's a thing that you do a lot of uh, time and time again, you could automate that, you know, here's yeah. how you could automate it. <laughs> so that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Sandy, this is great and and good stuff. Like, boy, this is the reward of the cloud. Yes, yes. Right, this ability to connect these things together. And it's nice to see this technology starting to mature in a way where it's like, you, you really want to use this. It will make things better. Mm-hmm, yep. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. You bet. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Mm-hmm.